Hi, beautiful, and welcome to Self Carve, a podcast all about self love and success. I'm your host, Ivana Ritchie, and I'm here because I want you to have it all. I don't want you to settle for less. I want you to carve yourself and create the life of your dreams. And because of this, not only will I be sharing my knowledge with you, but I'll be inviting some amazing women who are all highly successful and they will be sharing their stories with you as well. A woman who's self-carved knows that there is nothing she can do to change her past, but that she has all the power and all the magic to create the best version of herself and attract anything that she desires from a man to money to whatever, right? So I'm so happy that you're here. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Self Carve. Ivana Ritchie is here. I'm super excited about this episode today. I have a wonderful guest with me, Alicia Carlson. She's a lifestyle coach and a fitness entrepreneur. I'm super excited as we're talking about self-love. She has so much to bring to the table. (laughs) Such an incredible journey and the work that she's doing with her clients. I don't want to give up too much. So we're going to just dive right in and I can't wait to explore these topics with her and I truly, truly hope it's going to be beneficial to you as you're listening. So hi, Alicia. Hi, Ivana. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so, so, so excited. So I want to start off first since it's a new year. (laughs) How are you starting off your year? Are you doing anything different than 2020, uh, 2019? Um, yes. So to be completely transparent with you, I was actually just having this thought this morning, um, feeling a little bit behind the eight ball and, you know, like thinking, oh man, I wish I would have started uh, January or this new year with a little bit more preparation. Um, but I think that, you know, part of the journey and part of the beauty of kind of being at this place where I'm at right now with myself and just kind of my lifestyle, it's like, just roll with it, right? Like you don't have to have a perfect plan and you just have to kind of take that next step. And so I'm doing that as best as I can with um, some grace and some patience for myself. So, um, but in terms of doing things differently than uh, 2019, I think I'm going to be doing a lot of things the same in terms of like self-care but really kind of working on refining and tweaking, right? I think um, a lot of our self-care journey is kind of figuring out what works for us in that particular season. And then, you know, you spend a little bit of time sort of refining your routine and, and things like that. And then it seems like just as soon as you get that dialed in, life throws you a curveball and things kind of change <laughs> up again. So, right. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, I can totally resonate because I mean, the first now what has it been like a week? I haven't been doing too much at all. I, I, I launched a program, my husband and I pushed into workshops. But other than that, we've just been watching a lot of movies. And I had a, a lady reach out today and say, Hey, you know, I've been really hard on myself because I haven't been doing as much as I, you know, I want to do. So that's something that I kind of want to talk with you about. How how does a woman go about when she feels like she's behind with her diet, she's behind with life? Like, <laughs> like you know, like you said, it's 
put on hold, how do you approach that? And maybe we can tie that into what you are doing and why you're doing it. But when yeah. we're feeling stuck, when we're feeling behind, what, what do we do in that situation? So I feel like a lot of the times when we have that sense of like being behind or not being further along or being where we think we should be at any given point in time, um, it's important to kind of check, I think, your expectations and really just check what is driving that sense, right? Like what is driving that feeling or that thought? And oftentimes what I found is it's, I mean, it could be like a lot of different things, but usually it seems like it's because we are trying to reach for somebody else's idea of how we should be living our lives rather than turning inside really and looking at realistically, like, what does my schedule look like? Um, you know, what do I have the capacity for right now? And what maybe do I need to kind of look at? perhaps letting go a little bit in this season just to sort of maintain sanity, you know, like what's kind of like the minimum that I can get by doing in some of these areas to still feel like I'm winning, to still feel like I'm taking care of myself, but not from that place that feels really heavy and then turn self-care into kind of like this burden, which I think sometimes happens for women, especially. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I totally agree with you in terms of us comparing ourselves with others. And then also, you know, we have social media on top of that where we're seeing other people's progress and everything they're accomplishing, how much money they're making, how they're transforming their bodies and all these things, right? (laughs) It's right in our face. So I really want to touch upon this because, and a lot of people have been reaching out to me about this. I think since you're the expert, how do we look at our physical well-being in terms of our self-love journey how is our the way that we view our bodies the way we take care of our bodies and all that how is that related to our self-love journey oh man um i feel like we could (laughs) probably just do an entire episode on that yeah Um, but i think you know kind of the first thought that i want to offer up is that your ability or like your capacity to love yourself is not really tied to what your body looks like. And I don't think that that's a message that we hear enough, especially as women. I think uh, for a lot of people and this, I mean, my perspective on this might skew a little bit, maybe too far one way. And that really comes from, I think, my own background of struggling with disordered eating Um, body dysmorphia and um, just never like no matter how fit or how lean or how toned I was it was never good enough so um, you know take that for what it's worth but I think you know first and foremost it's important to recognize that your capacity to love yourself and the amount that you feel like you are worthy of receiving love is not in any way tied to what your body looks like Um, and then I think from there, you know, once you kind of reconcile that to yourself and you make peace with that thought, because it seems a little bit radical, I think, uh, you know, when we look out at social media or, you know, all the fitness messages, especially this time of year, um, you know, the marketing and the messaging is essentially you've got to lose weight or you've got to look a certain way, you know, to be hot or to be confident or whatever. So, 
um, I think breaking up with that is a good place to start. I love that. I love it. And I, I, to I totally agree. I mean, when we have both sides, right? We can have people that wait a lot and not be happy with themselves. And we can have people that look perfect according to society, right? That have the most extreme issues. Because um, when I was part of a program, the, the woman that was the most lean, that looked the best, that we all said was like, okay, yes, you, I mean, you have the perfect body. She actually hated herself the most, right? She mm -hmm. always found something to complain about. And so I, I really want to get this message across. And I would love if you could share a little bit about your own journey. Uh, you mentioned a little bit that that was your reality. Could you touch upon that a little bit more to see if it resonates with somebody who's listening? Yeah. So. <clears throat> Um, throughout middle school and high school, you know, when I kind of look back, I felt, I feel like that was really kind of the point for me, especially in middle school, um, in early high school where I started to feel like there was something wrong with my body. Um, it didn't look like some of my friends, you know, I had some really like long and lean friends or super athletic friends. And for whatever reason, and, you know, looking back, I can look at my lifestyle and be like, okay, was I, you know, maybe making the best choices? Probably not. But regardless, I was always kind of judging and comparing myself. And from that, there was this message or this idea, and a lot of it stemmed from my family, but also magazines and TV shows. I mean, at the time that I was in high school, we didn't have social media, so I'm pretty thankful for that. But, um, you know, there were still kind of those underlying messages of what a quote unquote good body looked like or, um, you know, what it would take for you to be beautiful. Right. And um, so I just, you know, kind of started to develop some internal self hatred or um, just really not liking what I saw in the mirror and being really hard and really critical of myself. And I would say I didn't really do anything about it. I mean, I would try kind of these fad diets here or there, or, you know, start every January, like I'm going to get in shape in high school, you know, <laughs> and the, I, it just wouldn't last. And so, so I get out of high school and I'm on my own for the first time. And it kind of hits me that I get to decide how I eat. I get to, you know, really, if I want to be fit, like I can figure out how to make that happen. And so um, I would say probably that was kind of the beginning of my long-term relationship with dieting and things like that. Uh, I started Weight Watchers, had some success there. Um, you know, was living by like counting all the points and all the things and stuff like that. Um, and then I, I sort of quit Weight Watchers and just kind of went out on my own a little bit, still just trying to figure out, okay, I had lost, you know, like 15 pounds or whatever, but it wasn't good enough. Like I had this picture or this image or this idea of what my body needed to look like in order for me to feel good about it. So I just kind of kept going and kept trying to figure out, okay, well, what needs to happen or how do I need to eat? How do I need to work out in order to get to this weight or this size? And so from Weight Watchers, I moved more into um, running and clean eating and I ended up getting pregnant and kind of ran throughout my pregnancy 
and then, you know, just sort of transition more into like walking and things like that, really trying to take care of the baby. But as soon as I was, you know, technically cleared to work out again, postpartum at the six week mark, I got right back into it. And, you know, I told myself like, you're going to be in better shape after your baby than before. Like that was kind of a goal that I had because I was so terrified of my body changing or of having, you know, the postpartum, the quote unquote mom body or whatever. Um, and so I really pushed myself to get into shape after my first child. And I'm still actually kind of struggling with some, um, di diastasis recti or diastasis recti, you know, where I've got the separation in my abs and, mm -hmm. um, it just kind of seemed to like ramp up, you know, like I, it was almost like once I got a taste of what it was like to be in a fit or a smaller body, um, you know, you would think like, okay, you would just be content and you'd be happy and you'd be like, all right, this is cool. But for me, that just sort of triggered that I needed to like keep going. Like I needed to just kind of constantly be getting fitter, be getting stronger, be getting leaner. There was always that five to 10 pounds that I felt like I needed to lose. Wow. <laughs> and there was no, there was no limit in your head at that time it was just push 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 yeah it was just like just go and at the time for me like an ideal body was um not only small in size like the size of my clothes but also weight and so at one point postpartum with my first child i'm running a ton i'm nursing i'm you know, eating super clean, really watching what I'm eating. And I got down to my lightest weight ever, which was like 110 pounds. And I was a size zero. And I remember distinctly, like still looking at myself in the mirror, still kind of pinching little bits here and there thinking like, how do I get this to disappear? Or like, if only this was a little bit tighter, or if only this or that. And then that was kind of what spiraled me into um, that next sort of season or phase of my fitness journey, um, which is what you and I were kind of talking about, uh, prior to hitting record. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's powerful. That's powerful. So, yes. <laughs> I love you want it. me to start, yeah. you want me to share a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just so much that is I know I'm quiet, but it's so much that comes to mind because you're sharing you're sharing this journey where you are literally taking control over your body, how you look and what you're feeding your body and still have this sense of it's not good enough. It's not enough. I need to do more. I need to do more. And this is something that I see repetitively with my clients, with people online, with everyone who reaches out is always this sense of. I'm not good enough. I need to do more. I need to work harder. I need to do what, what, whatever it may be, right? It may just not be about their bodies, but it's constantly the sense of it's not enough. I need to keep going. I need to do more. And it's like, we never land anywhere and we just keep feeling unfulfilled, right? Mm -hmm. And that cycle. So I really, really recognize that in your story. And, and I think you hit on a really important piece is that like, you may not necessarily see yourself in my story because maybe you never had that issue particularly like with your body, but 
maybe you recognize that you have similar tendencies or similar feelings when it comes to other areas, like the amount of money that you have or that you make or the amount of followers or, you know, just all these other um, measures that we kind of put against ourselves or the society puts against us. And we never really stop to question the validity of that, you know, like, so if you have 10 million followers on Instagram or whatever, what does that actually say about you? Like, what does that mean for you? you know? <laughs> right. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you are like, have the best body in the world, like what, I, I guess it's like important for us to really start to question what kind of value we're placing on those things, because there's no guarantee that it's ever going to last. And so even if you were to accomplish what you think you needed to accomplish to feel like you made it, there's no, like, there's no promise that it's going to be around forever. And there's no promise that that's going to even be the thing that makes you feel just at that place with yourself that no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. Right. Absolutely. And I, <laughs> Uh, it was a recent experience, right? So my husband and I, we opened the TikTok account and uh, uploaded a video that I, I think I posted it on Facebook in the past, but it didn't, it didn't even get that much action or interaction. <laughs> so I posted it on TikTok and the video blew. Like I, we hit, I don't know how fast, but we hit a hundred thousand views. Wow. Fascinated by it. But in the back of my mind, I remembered one time I listened to Gary Vee and he said, everybody's so hype about their videos going viral. But once they go viral after that, you don't really care. Like it just lasts for a short period of time. And so I remember the views kept increasing. I think it's up to almost, it's like 480,000 or something like that. And I don't care anymore. I was just excited when it was getting up to that 100,000 limit, right? And now if that happens to another video, I won't really care. So I, can, I think that's kind of similar to what you're talking about. Like, what is the reason why we are wanting these things, right? What, what is the reason why I want my body to transform or for me to eat healthier or whatever it may be? I think too many times we just go into these missions that we set for ourselves or we're super strict with our goals and then we get there and we're still we're still not content. So I, that's a, that's a really good question that you are asking for sure. I like to call that, or I feel like how people sort of traditionally pursue their goals, whether it's, you know, fitness goals, health goals, or business goals, or whatever that is. I like to reference it as sort of this outside in approach, meaning that we don't do a lot of digging inside of ourselves or looking inside of ourselves to really know what it would take for us to truly be content, to truly be joyful, to really be happy, which I think that those are the feelings that we all want. And that's the feeling that is sustained, right? Like if you are truly joyful, if you are like truly content, then no matter the circumstances, no matter if you gain the weight back or if you lose followers or whatever it is for you, you can still cultivate that sense of joy and that sense of peace and contentment and all rightness with yourself. But you have to really get to know yourself first. I think you have to know your values. You have to really know the vision that you have for yourself. You have to know, like, who do you want to be in this world and what's the impact that you want to be making? And then that, like, when you are clear on that, then that 
starts to help you make your decisions of how you need to go about doing that. Whereas normally I think we think about, okay, well, this is the goal that I want, or this is the outcome that I want, because I think it's going to be what makes me happy. So then we spend all this time doing the thing that we think we need to be doing. And then we end up at that goal and we're not connected to it the same way that we thought we would be, you know, so then there is not that lasting contentment. There's not that lasting joy. And even if it flashes for a moment, like you were talking about with that video, you know, you might feel for a moment like, wow, I made it. I'm proud of myself. And then either you slip back into old habits or you are like me and you're like, okay, well, I did it. That's great. That's cool. But now I'm on to the next thing. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And would you, would you say that's what, uh, what, that was the turning point in your journey? What made you go from really struggling, struggling with your body and then turning it into something else, not only feeling more empowered and loving yourself more, but also creating or helping other women create the same for themselves. Was that what you did first or had you already started that journey before? No, the turning point really for me kind of started, and this wasn't necessarily with my body, um, but just kind of in general with how I was living my life. So I went to college when I was 26. Um, I was a mom of two at the time. Both of my kids were young. My, my youngest was six months old when I started college. And I worked my butt off for five years to get this degree with two small kids. Our family went through a deployment in that time. My husband was gone for a year. I was actually still competing. So I signed up for college and then I had my kid, you know, I had my kids signed up for university and then decided I would compete in figure competitions all at the same time. <laughs> I know I'm a little crazy, I think. Um, and so there were so many big things that I felt like I endured in that season of getting my degree. And I remember thinking like, when I first started university, if I get this degree, like I will be the first person in my family to have a college degree. Like that is powerful. If I get this degree, like so many opportunities will open up for me. I'll have, you know, all these jobs and all these things, right? <clears throat> so this is sort of like that fantasy thinking. And I think we do this a lot when we're talking about like weight loss or body goals or things like that as well. And so here I am five years later, holding my degree in my hand, busting my butt to graduate within a certain period of time with a, a high GPA. I graduated top of my class and I just remember holding it and being happy and then feeling like, but my life didn't really change. Hmm. You know, like where were, where were the job offers? Where, <laughs> you know, where were all these things that I thought was going to happen as a result? And that was really, I, I do think that was kind of the start of me figuring out, like, I feel like I've kind of been doing this whole goal thing a little bit wrong. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would say that was definitely the beginning of that, um, that journey of like, okay, well, what does it take to set goals that are truly meaningful? And it, it truly has been a process over the last couple of years, but um that was kind of the turning point for me of like, okay, we can't be taking this outside in approach anymore. Um, we have to spend, I think, some time up front getting to know ourselves, 
really getting to know like what are the big dreams and the big aspirations? What are those whispers of your heart? You know, the things that you really want um, and, and what are the things that you have to do to get there? And chances are it's probably a lot less than you might initially think. Right. And I, I, I think it's, I think it's so difficult for many, for many women because the way that we were raised, right. So we usually get praised for when we perform or when we get these, um, when we accomplish something or when we bring a trophy home. So we kind of get that programmed into us that this is, you know, how we show ourselves worthy. So then there is no, we haven't had that role model to teach us that it comes from within. So I totally, totally agree with you that that's where it needs to start. And this is hopefully the message that we're getting across now. But I think that's the reason why so many women struggle to do so because they, they were never taught. They never had anybody to model. And then especially like if they have children on top of it, that's another thing that I see a lot that when you do have children, people don't prioritize themselves anymore. And then eventually the kids end up uh, having to suffer from that because the mothers didn't take care of themselves. So with so much, there's so much in this conversation. That <laughs> This leads to that so much that can happen when we don't look within first, even though it sounds so simple. It's like, it's very painful for a lot of people to do it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, just as like a, a slight expansion on that, I think it's because we haven't been looking within and like figuring out really what works for us. That, that truthfully with my clients, that's where I see a lot of the issues around food come from, right? Like the stress eating or the binge eating, or you have people on the other end that will tend to over control what they're eating when they get stressed out and things like that. You know, it's not always, it hardly ever is it really about the food. It's about what is kind of driving you to have the relationship with food or with exercise or with your body that you do, you know, and once you kind of start to clear out some of that sort of internal baggage or, you know, junk that sort of has been collecting dust over the years, you kind of start to see that a lot of those things that you thought were problems start to kind of resolve, you know, like the overeating or the binge eating or whatever typically isn't the problem. It's a symptom of another problem, right? right? It's your way of like coping with these feelings that you're having. But if we can sort of bypass that and we actually start managing our mind and, you know, really taking a look at our thoughts and our beliefs and how those things are making us feel as we start to become better managers of that part of our life, then all of those other symptoms start to resolve. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that because that was going to be my next question. What are some tips, right? What are some tips? What is something that people can tangibly look at? And you were just saying it. Don't look at your body or don't look at what you're eating or not eating. This is simply the symptom of something that is, you know, collectively over the years or over months there is something underneath, right? There is a cause, there's a root problem that we have to look at. And when we, when we take care of the actual cause of these symptoms, that's when these different habits or the way that we look or the way that we uh, have our relationship with food, it also improves as we improve this relationship that we have with ourselves. 
Yeah. And that's not to say that maybe you don't have some habits that need some cleaning up. Um, but I think too often, especially like when we're talking about physical well-being or physical health, we're dealing with symptoms. We're not actually going after the root causes. Right, right, right. So yes, totally, totally agree. So that's awesome. I love that. And so I, I have another question because you're a mom, right? Yeah. <laughs> so how do you, how do you make sure that you stay on top of your um, self-care practices? How do you make sure that you look inwardly? How do you make sure that you check in with yourself? How, how, how do you, do you make sure to make time for that? Or is that like an ongoing thing that you have with yourself or first thing in the morning? Or is it always the kids first? How, how, what is your approach to that? And what would you recommend? Um, so I would definitely, I'll say this, I would not recommend putting your kids first or letting your kids wake you up. So if you have kids, I used to be in the horrible habit of waking up when I heard the kids or waking up when they came in to wake me up. And immediately that puts me or it puts you into kind of this reactionary mode, right? Where now you're just kind of like putting out fires. You're, you know, I just would always feel so rushed and so stressed out. So, you know, one of the first habits I would recommend is waking up before your kids, even if it's 15 minutes, right? If it's 20 minutes. And again, you know, going back to what we said at the beginning, there are going to be different seasons where you know, maybe your kid gets sick or they're teething or something like that. And so the sleep schedule gets kind of messed up in those seasons. You just got to give yourself some grace and some patience. But for the most part, you do want to develop that routine of getting up, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes or however long you want before your kids so that you can enjoy a hot cup of coffee so that you can, you know, take a minute to kind of check in with yourself or, whatever your morning practice ends up looking like is kind of up to you. Um, and then what was the other part of that? I feel like I'm missing something. No, I think that's great. I was asking what, what your routine is and what you would recommend for, uh, with, for women with children, how to approach their self-love journey when they have kids, because I hear and see that a lot that my kids come first. I don't have time for myself. It's too much going yeah. on. And they, <laughs> and then they develop more issues. A yeah. Lot, right? No, you got to give yourself the gift of even if it's 20 minutes and first thing in the morning, um, that is probably the best place I think to start. Um, and then, you know, this, I think, again, just kind of hammering home that message of giving yourself some grace and some patience to kind of ebb and flow with the different seasons of life, because you could have the perfect routine that works for a certain period of time and then something happens. Um, you know, so just maintaining some flexibility will help you kind of stick with it when life doesn't go according to plan. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Love it. I hope you're listening. <laughs> so, uh, to, before we wrap this up, I would like to ask you if you could share with the audience, either a question, maybe a quote, or kind of like a reminder for 2020 for this year, right? Hopefully you're listening this year, if you're not listening the next yeah. year, uh, yeah. in terms of how a woman can 
go about the way that she is perceiving her body or the way that she's just going about her nutrition or the whole physical aspect of her, her, her wellness? I think just to really kind of sum it up, it's this idea that you are in control. And ultimately, I truly believe that you know what's best for yourself. Um, I think through a lot of messaging, you know, sometimes we lose trust in ourselves or um, that sort of internal intuitive body trust gets lost. So um, spend some time figuring that out for yourself. And I truly think that that is going to be the time and the place in your life where you feel most connected and most powerful and most able to go out into the world and be the woman that you were created to be, to do the things that only you can do. That's beautiful. I love it. I love it. And you can never hear it enough, right? Even if you're a coach, even if you're doing this type of work, it's so nice to hear somebody else say it, to learn and to continue to integrate it. So I know there are probably coaches listening, people in the, in the same field as you, but we cannot hear it enough and to be reminded of how important it is to to do the work or to not do the work, right? Because many times yeah. we slow it down. So I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so wrapping up, I would like if you would share with the audience how they can connect with you on social media, how they can work with you or anything that uh, you want to mention before we wrap up. Yeah. So right now I have some spots open for a small group coaching program called the Mindful Eating Project. Um, if you really just want to make this the year that you stop dieting, that you heal your relationship with yourself, with your body, with food, um, even though it is about mindfully eating, there are so many lessons that you can take into other areas of your life. So if you want to learn more about that and just kind of get on the list for some information, um, you can just head on over to aliciacarlson.com. Um, or you can shoot me an email, alicia at aliciacarlson.com, and we can set up a time to chat to see if we would even be a good fit to work together. So um, those are kind of the, the things I have going on, the ways to get a hold of me. Um, if you're on Facebook, I am just at the Alicia Carlson and on Instagram at Alicia Carlson underscore. Perfect. Perfect. I'll make sure that I add all the links. So they'll be able to find you and connect with you and ask all the questions that they need. Perfect. Thank you. I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing this amazing knowledge and your experience with the audience. It was such a pleasure having you join me. Thank you so much. It was a joy for me as well. Yeah.